one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello, my lovely Dumpty Dummers. It's P here. I do hope that you are all right. Just in case you've forgotten the sound of my dulcet tones, Royfield has very kindly let me tell you that you can still find me in the podcast universe at the QuickBook Reviews podcast. It's been going three years with weekly episodes, each with two author interviews, five book reviews and some chat. I ask authors insightful questions like what food they were eating while they wrote their book and which is more important to them, the book cover or the book title. I love reading fiction from crime and thrillers to all sorts of other books and I'll throw some non-fiction in as well. If I don't like a book, I'll tell you and if I absolutely love it, well, I'll try to convey that too. For me, books form a happy escape from the world and I would love for you to escape there with me. Look for the Quick Book Reviews podcast on your podcast app of choice and I will see you lovely lot there. Thanks everyone. Big hugs. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. This is Dumpty Dum, sponsored by managers. This is Dumb Be Dumb, the show with the reality docudrama that is centered on Ambridge in the heart of the Millers. I'm the great baby brother that is Royfield Brown, and today I'm joined by the ambivalent mummy that is Jacqueline Berteau in Sanguine, France. Now, this week's Dumb Tita is a repeat of the well-known and much-loved and much-berated The Sunday Omnibus Music, a fabulous rendition of Berwick Green from the very talented Paul Satin and the group Bellahead. Sadly, Paul suddenly died this week, and we wanted to pay homage to this fabulous musician. Now, on this episode, we'll hear from Jen in her car, 
Claire Asprey, Christine Armstrong, formerly Cycling Christine, and Drew in the Tokyo office. Plus, of course, we're going to have Tweet of the Week from our Purple Pumpkin, and we have the social media roundup from Witherspoon this week. Now, breaking with a little bit of script tradition, I'm going to implore you to get your bums over to YouTube, where you can actually see some of the great interviews that we've done with the actors from The Archers. In about, I don't know, three or four weeks' time, we're actually going to have another one with... Michael, who plays Alistair Lloyd. So go to YouTube, type in Dum De Dum, and you will see all of the interviews which we've done, of which the last one was, of course, with Sonny. And whilst we're breaking with script tradition, why don't you go over to Apple iTunes, write us a review, and that'll be all lovely and cushy. Now, later on on the show, we have the Facebook roundup, and we're welcoming our new members from our Facebook group. But first, let's look at the week in Ambridge from our Sue, the Queen or Tart. Hello, lovely people. Sue here, Queen or Tart on the Twitters and another week in Ambridge. In some ways, this has been an utterly splendid week and the hours I have spent sticking pins into my voodoo dollar bus have paid off. But I am leaping ahead. On Sunday, Lillian and Linda inserted a topical insert about the Queen, which was rather lovely. We found out Chelsea had been staying with Blake, who brought her back to Ambridge, to the great delight of the Horribins. Well, tracing Brad at least, but Horribin has been strangely silent throughout his granddaughter's absence. Lillian and Justin left Ambridge Hall to return to the Dower House and their new kitchen, which sounds like it will put Jenny Darling's nose right out of joint. Justin immediately invited Lindy Bottom and Robert to dinner, and the cinnamon chicken had to be stretched out between four. Lillian sounded right put out. Linda dropped round to see young Blake, who was working at an animal sanctuary now. Linda was very nice about him scarpering in a moonlight flit. Philip Moss is now acknowledged as a wrong'un. Another wrong'un is Russ, although after a mother-daughter chat, Tracy realises that accusing him of fathering Chelsea Sprog was a bit of an error. We forgive you for shouting at him, Tracy. Lily got advice from Freddie, who of course is exactly who you'll be looking to for relationship advice. I don't remember having ever had an actual girlfriend or boyfriend, unless he met somebody in prison or at boarding school that we don't know about. Chelsea says Russ is not the daddy, and Lily hopes that Russ might forgive her for sleeping with someone else. In our house, that unleashed a torrent of bad language, and that was just the cat's. In Kenton's old bedroom, we were reminded of the magnificent Susie Quattro, and I can imagine David and Kenton headbanging to Devilgate Drive, though I suspect Lizzie's hair was great for headbanging. Shula wouldn't have had any of it. David thinks they can rent out Josh and Ben's rooms as B&B. I bloody hope it's going to be Jill cooking and not Ruth. Tracy has let her attention on the veterans cricket team wander for obvious reasons, and Leonard offered to look after them for a couple of weeks. Then Russ showed just what a hypocritical git he is. He gave up everything for Lily, his job, his relationship with his parents, not his wife, all so that he could have an affair with a student and get Lizzie to buy him a fancy kettle. Oh, I had to stop stirring the risotto at that point so I could shout with the radio again. The following night, he brought back the portrait he painted of Lily, now called Betrayal, and Lizzie had to offer to buy it so that Lily doesn't have to see it sold to someone else. I'd like Lizzie to deduct the money from his leaving money in lieu of notice. I do hope there's going to be a ritual bonfire on the croquet lawn. And we left Ambridge with Tracy and Chelsea talking through some options and what Chelsea can do about the baby. 
I do hope she's going to get some good advice. Well, till next week then, should be a good one. Hey, it should be a good one. But what a corking couple of weeks we've had in the Archers, Madame Bertone. Yay, hooray. Oh, yeah, so exciting. Right, your hot takeaway from last week. Well, I'm completely in d'accord with Sue, Queen or Tart, because, yeah, it's confirmed my view that Russ is a git. I thought you were going to kind of gloat with your genius that you'd figured out. That Chelsea was great. No. Do you know, I'm sorry, but I was very worried about that because we recorded that after Sunday's episode. And I said to you, we should edit that that out. No, 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 no. And I got three private messages saying you listened to Sundays before you recorded that, didn't you? Can I? Yes! (laughs) I do. People don't trust me. I'm such an honest person. I'm not a a trickster at all. And, in fact, it was honest genius. (laughs) But... No, I'm really embarrassed. I was really embarrassed by the fact that my prediction came true about an hour after I'd made the uh, the prediction. But your integrity <laughs> has been impugned, though. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I can vouch for her. She hadn't listened to the episode. She used her very own brain for thinking, and she worked it out. To be honest... Everybody knows I couldn't remember the name of Blake Mm -hmm. uh, when we recorded, just to prove that I hadn't listened to it before. Otherwise, I'd casually have said Blake, Mm -hmm. wouldn't I? I I, I'm really glad that that massive storyline that they did came to the end at the start of last year, that it hasn't just been forgotten about. There there still is afters, shall we say, you know, reverberations. Yeah. And to see the village rallying around him, or at least, you know, Linda, Jazza, Tracy, etc. Really helpful. And actually, I think the the actor is brilliant. And Yeah, me too. dare I say it, he sounds so un-Radio 4. He really does sound like a modern English speaker. With all of his insecurity and hesitancy. But his cadence is just so the opposite of, of the archers. But wonderful acting, really quite touching. And also the talk about the Very PTSD as well. If we said, well, Blake's a real person. We've seen his journey from that to slavery through the accident, his relationship with Lindy when he stayed mm-hmm. there and then running away and all those things that happened. And in fact, what a brilliant actor. I'm absolutely astonished at the way, and thank goodness he's come round. You know, he's having therapy and et cetera and coming to terms with what's happened. I've I've just found the whole character of Blake fascinating from start to finish, from actually getting into the situation of being a modern-day slavery victim to this newfound person who has the confidence to go to Ambridge, return, to help make sure that Chelsea gets back to Ambridge safely. Although, see, that's another thing. Mm -hmm. He said, I better, I'm going to make sure you get back to Ambridge safely this time. Oh, that's how she, when she said, I'm going to get back to Ambridge. Now I I can't do it two weeks running, (laughs) but I still have this little thing Mm -hmm. that in fact, she fell pregnant due to being raped. Huh. And so going back to Ambridge safely this time, not alone. Ah, maybe I'm overthinking. I do, I do tend to do that. <laughs> Goodness. So anyway, there you go. That's given me utterly pause for thought. I'm, it's a sad story, but I'm, 
enjoying the fact that it's running mm. out in real time, despite that Tracy keeps saying, we've got to make a decision, we've got to make a decision. And Chelsea's struggling with the decision, isn't mm. she? Dare I say it, if your first wasn't a first reaction, but if a reaction after telling her mother is to run away, says to me that maybe you don't have the emotional maturity right now, actually, to, to bring another life into the world. She is very young. It's a lot to contend with. She is. But if that's one of your coping mechanisms, motherhood, parenthood is probably not for you just now. But mm. wow. Uh, and we're doing this art about, Ask about tick. Can I say that on the show? We're doing this back to front. Yeah. Ask about face. Ask, thank you. <laughs> We're doing this. Ask about face. Thank you, uh, Madame Berto. Hello, Ambridge three nine six two. Let's start with formally cycling, Christine. Hello, Royfield, Jacqueline and all fellow dum to dummers This is formerly cycling Christine here. Just like to say, I disappointed I was on Friday. I was expecting fireworks and there didn't seem to be any. But my main reason for phoning in is that one of the things I really love about the archers is the way things take time to develop. And I love the fact that Lily had her one night stand with Sol well over a year ago. And at the time, there seemed to be no repercussions. And then suddenly, well over a year later, it comes, pops up and has a huge effect. That's all I really wanted to say. Bye. Absolutely well observed. Nothing happens kind of in isolation. There's always a ramification at some point, isn't there? We always say that, don't Mm. we? I mean, this is script writing for the archers par excellence because they always come back there's little things that we say eh, did that mean something yeah no there we are a year later excellent excellent call christine as well yeah great which is the reason why i am convinced that sol is the daddy because <laughs> yeah you are you know you're not alone you called it first. Well, can only claim to call it first if it ends up being true. Otherwise, I will disown <laughs> it. I don't say that at all. What are you yeah. talking about? What me? Sol- what Sol- me? Sol- yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I waited and see. But we like the long game with the archers, we don't do. we? We do. So thank you for that formally cycling, Christine. She went all around the world on her bicycle, didn't she? I know. What a fantastic woman. I know, I admire admire people that do great feats like that. I went on my back twice this year and fell off both (laughs) times, so there you go. (laughs) What was your greatest feat? Was it stowing away to that concert in in Holland, was it? (laughs) No, my greatest feat was running away to sea. Oh. My most exciting thing I did. Goodness. Yes, all for another day. It is. is. All right, smashing. All right. Come on, let's get on with the archers, Rife. uh, I tell you what, we'll get on with the archers via Tokyo. And we've got an important call from our Tokyo branch office. Hello to everyone at Dumpty Dum Towers. This is Drew calling from the Tokyo branch office. I'm calling with a piece of advice, free advice even, for Lily. Lily, we listened to you agonizing over your breakup with Russ this week. And here is what I have to say about that. Lily, if somebody says to you about your 45-year-old boyfriend that he impregnated his 17-year-old protege, and your first thought is, yeah, 
Yeah, that seems in keeping with his general character. He probably did do that. Then, even if he didn't do it this time, the relationship probably isn't worth saving anyway. Lily, you're well shot of him. Congratulations. All right, everybody. Have a good week. That's all from me. Thanks. Bye. Can I be the contrarian here? I don't like Russ. However, I think the actor whose name I escaped because I haven't done, done I haven't done my research. Andonis. And you're good. Andonis. You're good, uh, Madam. I, I know Andonis is the only thing, but I can't remember what his other name is. Well, yeah. he played a blinder this week. Very good. He did the, the episode where he's talk, talking to Lily and going back to the things that he's done done for her, which is one way of looking oh. at things. One way. One way. Right. Yeah. One way. I'm grinding my teeth. My dentist tells me not to. Well, <laughs> it's a massive cliche, but there's two sides to every story. And Indeed. is he a slime ball? Absolutely, yes. Did he ethically overstep a multitude of boundaries to, to get with Lily? Absolutely. Yes. But it appears, it does appear like it's a genuine love match. Right. And I actually ended up feeling a modicum of sympathy for for the man. And here's here's the thing. Here's the thing. To be accused of what he was accused of, right? You know, you're gonna take that pretty hard, right? Do I like him? No. Did I in the moment? Was I caught up in the moment in the drama? And I went, but he's innocent. And you know, and then she's yeah. gone off and slept with Soul and whatever. I I was completely like, oh yeah. He's innocent. Yeah. I see. I see where you're coming from, Royfield. Unfortunately, I'm a hard-hearted 63-year-old woman who really can never forgive him for being a teacher, the deputy head of a school, and getting it together with a student. And that will always be at the back of my mind as the mum of girls. Mm. You know what? Day, I, you see, I I hear you, but it was just that episode with his anger. Yeah, his controlled anger, his sense of powerlessness, and it's his hurt. betrayal. Hurt. Yes, it yes, wasn't yes, just sense yeah, of betrayal exactly. and hurt. For a moment, I found myself on Team Russ. I was like, oh, oh, oh my god! No. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's such a surprise. And in fact, whilst I am actually steadfastly against Russ, I agree with you. He played a blinder mm. this week. Mm. That the the script writers really. I mean, I've admired so much in the script writing this week because they made us feel sorry yes. for him, and I do not feel sorry for Russ. Absolutely. But on the other hand, he played a typical narcissistic Russ as well. Mm. So there you go. True that. True that. Now, yeah. can I say mm-hmm. just to say I agree with Drew? She's well shot. I love that expression. Well shot. I wouldn't know how to say it in French, but way <laughs> in English. It, it, it is a wonderful idiom, uh, well shot. But here's <laughs> the thing, and this is the reason why it has to be Sol who has got her pregnant. Because you'd think what she's going to do, lick her wounds, and then three, four months, pick up the phone to old Sol, send him a little text, whatever. But what, yeah. but what we need is before she sends that text for her to hear, no, no, she's got to send it and then to hear that actually Sol yeah. 
knocked up Chelsea. Is that far? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It has to go that way yeah. around. I'm, I'm, I'm agreeing with you completely because I think I don't not agree with you about the sole prediction because you're so convinced. Yeah. So she's gonna send a text to Sol, try to get together with him, and then, yep, definitely she's gonna hear about that little thing with Chelsea mm. afterwards, or, or even. Or even better still, her and Sol start up and it's one week of (gasps) bliss and then the bombshell hits that actually... Yeah, then the the proverbial hits the Mm. fan. Exactly. Mm. Oh, God, we're so good at predictions. I just hope it all comes true. Hey, scriptwriters, are you listening to me? (laughs) (laughs) Right, but if if they're not, you know what they could do? Uh, they could they could yeah. record us a message and tell us why they're not by going on Indeed they could. <laughs> com forward slash dum dum Don't forget the T in the middle. Also, if you are a script writer or even just a listener to this podcast, you can find a link for that in the show notes. And we need your calls in by 6pm on Sunday UK time. We're really sorry that we decided to, uh, to suddenly change the things this week. But what with the funeral and everything, it just felt better to change our schedule. Please keep your call to a minimum of two minutes and bear in mind that you need to be at least 18 to take part. Now we need your help because this is the People's Podcast. There are three things you can do. First off, if you haven't done so already, hit the subscribe on whatever podcatcher you're listening to us on. And I tell you what, don't just hit subscribe. Go and tell three friends, three family members or three friends about the wonderful world that is dum-de-dum the community the podcast etc etc and then hit subscribe and then give us a five-star review on apple Podcasts because that would be hugely appreciated and finally the third thing is that you can consider becoming a patron patron is a way of tipping creators like us and there are different levels with different rewards so if you just go to patreon.com search for dum-de-dum we'll be chuffed to bits to have your support now back to the calls so we've done drew all the way over there in tokyo now we're going over to the emerald isle we're going to ireland and it's ambridge pony club greetings royfield and jacqueline jen here calling in um i just listened to tonight's episode which was the one where chelsea was breaking down about what to do about her situation and i actually think for once they're writing this really well um, perhaps it's helped by the fact that Chelsea has a phenomenal young actress who is just so talented. They've done this storyline so many times. I mean, this is the third unplanned pregnancy, should I get an abortion, in about as many years. Um, Rosie one day will be faced with the fact that uh, um, Granny Ruth really thought the world would be better off without her and told her mother that in no uncertain terms. Martha, obviously, uh, nearly um, was terminated. And jury's still out on whether or not that was a good idea. Um, and now we have poor Chelsea going through it. But this is the first time I think they've really nailed what a serious decision it is, what a difficult decision it is, what it can do to a young girl in that situation. Um that this is, you know, this is no trivial matter um, and Chelsea's just acting her socks off. So whatever way she decides, I think they've done a great job of showing that this is always a tragic decision. There's no winners here. There's no good, really, that comes out of it. Um, 
you know, regardless of whether or not, you know, whose body all the debate and everything else, it's not an easy thing for somebody to go through. And it, it's often glossed over and, and only portrayed positively. So well done. I think they've done a great job of showing how traumatic an issue this can be. And um, obviously, Chelsea's fantastically lucky in that whichever way she chooses, she's got the amazing Tracy and the Horvin clan behind her, and I'm sure she'll be fine either way. Um, but yeah, good week. Well done. Absolutely. I wouldn't say it was a good week, so it was a great week. That conversation, I think it was a couple between Chelsea and, and Tracy. It was just, just tremendous. Perfect, perfect. Yeah. They are conversations for a mum and daughter to aspire to. Mm-hmm. And really trying to decipher everything that a mother is saying to her in terms of needing and wanting her mother's approval with the decision that she's going to make, which again tells me that emotionally she's not quite ready to bring life into this world and and to bring it up. But very obviously, you know, Tracy's opinion is important. Tremendous writing, as you've said, and just tremendously directed. It was done so well, so well. Yeah, I mean, I mean, heads up for young actress Mm. Madeline, who plays Chelsea, because she's getting all that emotion. She sounds so like Tracy. She could easily be Tracy's Mm. real daughter. I mean, in fact, their voices mold together to the point where, in fact, twice this week, I kind of thought, who is that? Which is that? Which one's Mm. speaking? But I was listening, you know, not on headphones, so it's a bit more diffused, but great, great stuff. Yeah. And then I, I even loved when she went round to Lower Loxley and she spoke to Lily. And the fact yeah. that, you know, what she said about you and Russ look great together. We wouldn't have looked looked like that, <laughs> of which Freddie uh-huh. says, I think you need to stop talking. Yeah, it's that kind of crassness of youth, isn't and it? And immaturity. Yeah, immaturity. Exactly. Which I just thought was just utterly well played. It feels to me like the Horobins have been in Ambridge forever. They have, but it's been Clive and Bert playing really minor roles. This iteration, they're just tremendous. I'm almost of the opinion we should write a petition and have the Archers to be renamed as the Horobins. (laughs) Good luck with that, I'm not even joking. Like, I'm so (laughs) in love with the three of them. And don't get me wrong, yeah. I loved David and Josh this week. You know, fathers and yeah, sons, mothers too. and daughters talking. It's I've got such a soft spot for it. Yeah, I think as parents, as mm. parents, we can kind of relate to that. I mean, you've got sons, I've got a son, but I've got mums and daughters, and you've got your son and yourself. You can hear the same kind of conversations where we might go wrong repeated by people who are scripted so they won't go wrong. Or they might go wrong, but deliberately. But, you know, there is something about... I'm going to be honest, there's a certain level of reverse class snobbery, right? I loved David and Josh and their interaction. They're up in the loft and it was was squidgy or whatever the the, the little toy was called, the two toys. Yeah. But I always think there is a deeper resonance of obvious love and struggle and pathos whenever Tracy's talking to any of her kids. And that's not yeah. to take away from David and Josh, David and Ben, David and Pippa, Ruth. And no, but Pippa. actually, I think that, yeah, exactly. But I think that Tracy, the character of Tracy, she's someone who is very open. Mm. 
Whereas, and open with the outside world, right? Now, conversation with Leonard this week about the cricket team and all the, all of that stuff in the pub. Obviously, she overacts all the things with working and going and apologizing, over apologizing with Kenton for the time miss. But then we've got the Brookfield lot who are a bit sterile. There's never quite the same effusive reaction between David and Ruth and their children. Never. Though, though, to be fair, David and Kenton, I really quite enjoyed that this week. For for all of the the, the slightly nuttiness about Janet Atkins. And the diary. I I did enjoy (laughs) that. So if we went back in time to circa what? I'm trying to think. Circa 1976-ish? Oh, I can't remember any of those years, sorry. Oh, it was the red hot one, when it just, like, every day was sunny and we, we had a massive drought. Oh, my God, that was the year I took my A-levels. There you go. Sorry, go so I'm in the right ballpark then. What would be in your diary? Yeah, I can't remember who, any of it. Who <laughs> did the long Jacqueline want to kiss? Ah, Marco, his name was. <laughs> oh, yeah. There you well, go. Well, don't just stop there. Uh, Funny enough, it was another Holland connection. <laughs> and I, I did manage to kiss him. There you go. How long were you, like, full of all this pent-up emotion before you could actually let your so lips loose, school, shall we say? I've, had, I've just, re- <laughs> just realised, I said it was when I did my A-levels. No, it was the year when I did my O-levels. And as soon as I'd finished my O-levels, I went to be an au pair in Holland mm. for eight weeks and had my O-level results phoned down the line by my mother oh god and the boy lived next door oh marco he was lovely there you go it's it lasted almost until the last two days and i was in holland and i managed to get we managed to get it together a bit and then that was it and i was back to school next day (laughs) so you see so teenage angst i've been there i've been there i can even remember it so so it must have been very anxious all those years ago 50 odd years ago bloody hell I feel ancient. Well, I tell you, mine was was Debbie Moore. I was going to ask you, but I've heard you talk about Debbie Moore or some such in the past. Early days, you admitted to Lucy about people, about some girl. It might have been Debbie Moore or maybe it was I tell one. you, she six months it took me to summon up the courage to oh, tell gosh. her friends six months of staring at this Beautiful. And how old were you then, Roy? 15, 16, 15. Oh, that terrible. I age. know. Oh, and just. I feel for you oh, now. Just, she was <laughs> so beautiful. Really small, long blonde hair, blue eyes. Oh, she's just lovely. And then when I finally summed up the courage, and then they trotted off to tell her, and, and then they came back, she likes you too. Oh, my God. Ooh. Oh, gee. You know. Why can't we relive those moments of ecstasy now? Oh. I tell you. Too many implications when you're grown up, aren't we? (laughs) (laughs) We went out for two weeks. Two whole weeks. We kissed twice. And we never spoke at school because I was too embarrassed. I used to run home uh, to call her. We'd we'd look at each other at school, not say anything, then I'd run home, be on the phone for an hour. But we couldn't talk at school. And, And here's the thing. Here's the thing. School reunion... 20 years later, we met up again. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So what I want to know is what happened at the school reunion. (laughs) So at the school reunion, I played it cool for all of 15 minutes and then... Actually, I want one more question. How long, how old were you? How much later was the school reunion? Was it 10 years? Oh, gosh, no, we're talking about 20 years. I'm in my mid-30s now, right? Right. Yeah, And and I see her and she fundamentally just looks exactly the same. Uh, So gorgeous. Very cute, right? And all of a sudden. And were you married or were you in a relationship? no, No, madam, no, madam. This is me in my mid-thirties. Just checking. And I'm transported to being 15 again. (laughs) All the old feelings just like came back. I started talking to her and she said, I shouldn't be here. And I said, what do you mean? She said, I was diagnosed three years ago as having cancer. (gasps) And it was stage four. And I'm a nurse. (gasps) But I fought it and I'm here. I was gobsmacked. We spent the whole evening talking to each other, dancing on the dance floor. All I'm going to say, Miss Berto, right? We were the last people to leave that club after just dancing all night long. I took her home, shall we say, and we were kissing. And then she said to me, one minute, she stopped me. You know, we, we're kissing. She stopped me. She said, can I, can I borrow your shirt? And I went, yeah, sure. And I took my shirt off. And she went to the bathroom. She came out in my shirt. And then she said, do I look normal? And I just like, you, you look wonderful. And it was, a, and she said, no one's ever seen my false breast before. Oh, dear. I I was crying. She was crying. 
it was the most amazing night of my life. And she was such a fighter. The NHS, God bless you. It was the most moving night of my life to be with my old childhood sweetheart who 20 years beforehand I'd kissed twice and held hands, but had always held her in this special light. And unbeknownst to me, she'd always held me in a special light as well. Because I kind of thought it was one, it was just one way. And we had a lovely evening. And we saw each other again a couple of times afterwards, just as friends. And then, and she did say, say to me at the end, she said, why didn't we do this 20 odd years ago? Went, because we were kids, Deb. Oh, that's such a sweet story. That's that's really touching. I feel very I feel very honored that you've shared that with me and I hope you will leave it in the podcast and share it with other people. You know, what a great story of refinding someone and having a nice time and things have changed. Yeah, you know, now she's with, you know, she's got a lovely boyfriend. They've got like two kids. No, she's married now. She's 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 been she's on a second marriage. She's got two kids, but Janet Atkins, you know, it re, that's what it re, it took me back. And again, yeah. that is the power of the archers, because we've all yeah. like had these personal milestones. Yeah. So for me, Janet yeah. Atkins is, is Debbie Moore, you know, and just that yeah. wonderful time that we spent twenty years after, you know, being kids. So. You know, the thing that came out for me out of that story was the fact that the real twinny mm. thing that goes on between Kenton and Shula, because we tend, I mean, I especially, compared to you, dismiss Shula. And to be honest, I dismiss Kenton a bit as well. But the, him talking about the twinny thing and about David's re- reading his diary about the thing with Shula really touched me a lot this week. You know, so. I, I think... Considering how well the Archers does relationships, Jim and Jazza, right? We yeah. love it. Alistair and Jim, and the fact that, you know, they've had this, Alice had this, Jim was a very cold figure for him when growing up. But now they've... And we know why. Exactly. Now. Yeah. And, and now they have this re- really good relationship. They're, they're still working on it, but it, it's much better. Tracy and Chelsea. Tracy and Brad, even. Yeah. I'm going to say the one relationship which I don't believe has been special has actually been Shula and Kenton. Yes, they make reference to being twins, but I don't really ever remember them having heart to hearts and the one, the other one of them no. feeling, finishing the other one's sentences. I get no, I don't remember exactly. any of that. Not a thing of that. And when. Yeah, I think Dave was quite right. You shouldn't call him Dave because it irritates him. But when David was saying, but you moved away and spent half your life in the rest of the world. And then you're upset about her moving away from Shula. And then Kenton's explanation about, well, Shula has always been, I've always known where she is. That was really touching to me. That's why I've been actually quite, I've been a bit of an emotional wreck this week with all the stories. But yeah, it really, really touched me when he said, yeah, but I've always known where she is and now I don't know. I can't envisage where she'll be when she's up north. Mm. You wouldn't wish Sunderland on anyone, would you? Oh, I don't know. I'm sure there's lots of nice things about no, Sunderland not. for the people who live there. Listen, <laughs> I come from Immingham. I can't say anything. 
<laughs> and listen, if you're from Sunderland, listen to this. Just jokes, just bants. It's just bants. <laughs> <laughs> it's just bants. Yeah, Believe me, if you come from from Sunderland, you're lucky because I come from Birmingham. So there you are. <laughs> I know the worst. The pits of the world. Sorry, Birmingham people. The Ming Mings. Right. So that was Ambridge Bone Club. We have one last caller in era, and it's our Claire oh, from Clapham. Hi, Dumpty Dum. Claire from Clapham here. Well, it's got me thinking about breakups this week. Because, firstly, if they dare to break up Linda and Robert by having her have some dalliance with Justin, I will be so cross. Like, I am be- willing to drop the whole thing like the people who left when Nigel fell off the roof. Like, that is wrong. Linda and Robert are perfect together. Do not go messing with that. So, that said, Russ and Lily, Lily, for God's sake, let the man go. He's awful. And it's just been so painful this week to listen to him going on and making her feel bad and being narcissistic and manipulative and horrible and hearing her grovel. She's an intelligent, or used to be, an intelligent young woman with all her life in front of her and she could do way better than that. And I'm hoping that Elizabeth will sort of gently make that point. Um, Yeah, Lily, get some respect for yourself and let it go. Anyway, that's me. I already was mean about Russ last week, so I'm not going to go into great lengths about how I want to be mean about Russ. Uh, keep up the good work. See you soon. Bye. You know what? I don't feel sorry for Russ anymore. You know, this, <laughs> about 20 minutes ago, <laughs> uh, Claire has told me how to feel very forcefully. Yeah, exactly. Very forcefully and very correctly. Well done, Claire. I'm completely and utterly 100% with mm, you. N- no more to be said there. Other than... But in fact, no, I'm just, just, yes. just really? sorry, That's just right. to interrupt you. Claire said about, uh, she hopes that Elizabeth will come in and say to her, get on with it. And she kind of did in the Friday episode, because she said, you know, they were talking about getting the the gallery ready. And she kind of went, mm, yeah, well, you can move on and blah, 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 blah. So in fact, I felt that Lizzie was kind of encouraging Lily to say, okay, let's, let's. Give him the heave-ho. He's given me the heave-ho. He's decided not to go with it. And so encouraging her to follow that thread. Mm. So I think she has a bit. We'll see. One thing which Claire did say, which I was totally on board with before she had to, you know, she didn't have to, you know, convince me. Sis, I don't understand what's going on between Linda and Justin. And I'm and I'm and I'm not saying it's anything at all romantic. I'm just saying I don't understand. I don't understand. I agree. Just, don't understand that relationship. I just is this one of those just stupid, frivolous archers storylines which we just have to kind of put up with? Like Justin is a businessman of great repute. Right, that's what we like to believe. He's obviously got a few mil in the bank. He's been doing this for years. Why does he need this nonsense setup with this minor figure and to rope Linda into it? Like even nah. even Lillian saying this makes no sense. Right? No, exactly. <laughs> in fact, I have a feeling that it's one of those stories that's a bit like one of those. Do you remember playing that game when you were kids where you wrote a sentence and you turned the paper over and somebody else wrote another mm. sentence and you came out with that kind of weird story at the end that was supposed to be funny but often made no sense whatsoever? Well, I think the script writers are kind of doing that. You know, they pass on one week to the next 
and they've got this little thread and someone follows it through and then someone has to take it a bit further. And I think we're seeing the culmination of that. Don't like it, waste of time, and I can't see where it's going. But then again, who are we to question where it's going? They might come to No, some... no, no. I tell you who we but are. I, I'm with Claire. No, I tell you who we are. I'm, I'm with, with Claire. Claire too. But I tell you who we are. We are people who have are put we? in the hard yards, the hard miles, listening to this thing year after year after decade after decade. Our collective, our hive, our hive mind (laughs) remembers everything. Even if you and I on the spot on a Saturday or a Sunday evening can't remember, somebody out there remembers thoroughly and absolutely. So yeah, we know, we know those little script writers that come in and do a couple of weeks here and a couple of weeks there, they know nothing. Thank thank you. They get paid to do this stuff. We listen for love. There you go. We do, Thank indeed. You. That's who indeed. we are, Berto. Don't you ever forget it, madam. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Sorry, I've, I've, I've taken a big breath and I'm fighting myself and I'm making sure I remember that. Thank you for that. No worries, no worries. <laughs> My mentor. Uh, right, now, uh, I think that's the end of the caller in us, which... Oh, I think yeah. you're right. Which means now we should go on to our emailer in us. And quite simply, if you would like to send us in an, an email, go to dumdum.com, hit contact us, and then a whole panoply of, I can say of options. No, there's one option <laughs> is there for you. Yeah. But there is another option. So contact us on dumdum.com, or what you can do is go to WhatsApp and go, which is plus four four seven nine five seven one six seven six nine six, and you can write us a, a little message there. That's if you don't like hearing the sound of your own voice so that's why we can contact us but so first off we have ooh. the first one is a fan a fan mail for royfield and it's from bonnie mclean hello i've got to re- read this in a californian accent i think but i can't do that so i discovered by chance and with much delight your multi-talents and interests i have can been I an archer's fan since i love 2000- bonnie already and bonnie i am i am i am single <laughs> So, <laughs> Bonnie, if you are... Oh, Bonnie, but you always got a big ego, Bonnie. <laughs> uh, can I read your okay, email sorry, before sorry. you make all the decisions? Are you reading the email of my future wife? Be... Okay. I have been an Archers fan since 2007 and signed on to Dumpton about a year ago. I signed in... I signed on to the YouTube on Friday to see the interview with Lillian Actress. Lillian. With the Lillian actress. Sorry, that's me reading it badly. That, that is when I discovered your brilliant podcast, Mid-Atlantic. Can I can I add yes. something here? Because I like Mid-Atlantic a oh, lot. So, uh, But I'm not your future wife. So that's <laughs> all right, go back to Bonnie now. I've signed up for updates at the Barclay site for the two-day podcast seminar. Yes, she's talking you, mm. Royfield. I think this class would benefit my daughters and perhaps my son. I read you are a Cleveland Browns fan, and I guess that is as strange as my steady support for Newcastle United. I respect your work and appreciate that you hang in there with the archers. It's sometimes a struggle. From Bonnie. Well, that is a real fan mail. And actually, Bonnie, I probably completely agree with you. What a great guy oh, you are, stop Wayfield. It, stop there it. you are. I, I, I <laughs> no, it's good. You're multi-talented. Oh. I'm blushing. You made a black man blush. I didn't know that you listened to Mid Atlantic. 
Oh, yeah, I love Midderlandi. I've listened to it since the beginning. Oh, yeah, I really enjoy it. It's one of my set. You might go, it's one of my go to ones. Yeah. Oh, and thank you, Bonnie. Along with the the things that made, wait a minute, the things that made England is my favourite that you started with, David, but that is my absolute favourite after Dumpty Tum, of course. I don't listen to Dumpty Tum as much now. <laughs> now you're on it. You don't listen to it. If I listen, I cringe too much. (laughs) Bonnie, thank you for your email. You utterly made me blush. It's really lovely when people send me in lovely messages like this. And I'm I'm so glad that you've discovered other bits bits of my work. If you've only been listening to The Archer since 2007, you're still new. You're still just getting used to it then but but welcome welcome to the world of but it sounds like bunny that she's probably from newcastle originally is that a supposition we could make so she might actually british move Mm. to the states i think bonnie what you're gonna have to do send us in another email or call yes so we can get to the bottom of this we want to know why newcastle united why what happened in 2007 why you discovered the archers and why it took you un- until just last year when we were doing the podcast for seven years for you to discover Dumpty Dum. That sounds really like quite bad and accusatory, and I don't mean it to. Because and, got- and probably, mm-hmm. and probably, could you send Royfield Jim Bernard? <laughs> <laughs> Only if you're single and ready to mingle, Bonnie. Now, the, the second email, whilst addressed to us both, ended with a message for our Jacqueline. It's from Rachel from Brum, from my hometown, and the subject was pot forward slash kettle crumbs. I think I know where this one's going. Hello, Royfield and Jacqueline. Rachel from Brum here. Still not got past the first time caller in or a status to report to Royfield that I'm from Mosley, currently living in Spark Hill. Mosley, lovely bit of Brum. And, and so is Spark Hill, which is just next door, which have got a lovely curry mile there called the Ladypool Road. Lots of uh, great curry houses there. Anyway, so I was a bit gutted to hear too late about drinks in the Cuban Embassy, which is in Mosley. So I was a bit gutted to hear too late about drinks in the Cuban Embassy. I'm moving to Doncaster next week, but will be back regularly visiting my mum to let me know of any future pub trips. Thank you both for all of your work on the podcast and putting the Dumpty Dum community together. I only discovered it recently, but like it a whole lot. And I really enjoy the chat you both bring to the show. Rachel then goes on to explain about the language we use. The acceptance of the pot stroke kettle language was in fact a form of casual racism. I've read her email and I've thought very hard about it. I also replied to her so she'll know that I don't necessarily defend myself, but I am very embarrassed that someone could think that I I set out to cause any offence, which wasn't the case. But also that I do live in a world in which casual racism and casual misogynism is part of the French society that I live in, and I'm very, very sensitive to it here. And so I'm quite embarrassed and very, very sorry if I caused any offence by my using the idiom, the British idiom of pot and kettle. So excuse me, please, all. I don't think you should beat yourself up massively here. I said to you jokingly, you know, are you using that black as a pejorative? And, And I knew that you weren't. And, you know, my mother uses that that expression. So 
And every now and then we do need people to point out common threads in language and how some of them can be discriminatory or exclusory. I really do appreciate the email, Rachel, and the the poem which you sent us, White Comedy by Benjamin Zephaniah, who's also from Birmingham, is very powerful because what it does do is it switches every kind of negative idiom, which had the word black for white. So I was white mailed by a white witch with white magic. And, and white lies and branded by a white sheep. And so you do see the power of our casual acceptance that white is good and black is bad. Without massively get, getting into this, I find this really a fascinating area because I'm sure that the majority of those idioms have been around before the transatlantic slave trade, before racism as we understand it today. But there is no two ways about it. Deep within the English language and many other languages is an acceptance that if something is white, it's as pure as a driven snow, it's virginal, it's good, and then black equals something which, which is corrupt. And whether those idioms came before the transatlantic slave trade, they're definitely added to a set of words and idioms and phrases which help colour, I use that word advisably, the difference between some of the races. But thank you for, for making us think. And uh, Yeah, indeed. That's a, that was a great thing. You know, it's made me stop and think. And it's made me stop and stop and think about using my mother tongue in a relevant mm. way. And actually, you know, what I was thinking, uh, Madame Berto, is maybe when I'm back in the country, because I'm about to leave uh, soon, we should actually organise a big Dum Dum meetup in 2023. And oh, that would be fabulous! Yeah, absolutely. It? And I think that'd be a fun thing to do because it's been about time we've put all the COVIDs behind us, and uh, we can now get ready to mingle. Yeah, I so agree. there you go. Let's let's yeah. go for it. Uh, done. <laughs> Done, 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 and double done. So did we get any iTunes, oh, Apple, iTunes reviews? You are reviews? so good. You know that we did because you're looking at the same script that I am. <laughs> no, I didn't. Oh, God, I didn't. No, <laughs> we read those last this week. This week we had two and they're both belted. <laughs> Great podcast. Oh, God, it's your friend again. Great podcast. Awesome hosts. If you listen to The Archers, this podcast will not dip, 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 disappoint from Bonnie McLean. Yay, Bonnie. You, I like you as well. You know what now. I'm going to practice doing tomorrow? Signing my name, well, Royfield McLean. <laughs> oh, but Bonnie, I hope you realise we're only joking about all this stuff because it's just the way we are. <laughs> <laughs> we we record this very late at night. so <laughs> And I've been at a wedding all day, so I don't know what Royfield's excuse is. And so the second five-star review that we had was Happy Time, Dumpty Dum, an hour's indulgence and me time. A great community that's inclusive, and I instantly felt part of it. Thanks, Dumpty Dum. That's from Little Jen via Apple Podcasts. So there you go. Why don't you get your name on the podcast by going onto Apple and writing us a review, even if it's not five stars. If you give us one star, we still read it out because then, if nothing else, we've got we a do. right to reply. But we do quite like five star reviews. We're shallow like that. Now let's hear <laughs> what our Facebook posse have been talking about. Funny enough, on Facebook. 
Greetings, Roy Field, Jacqueline, and all Dumpty Dumbers around the world. It's Witherspoon and Angus Haggis here with this week's social media wrap-up. It started with a spirited debate began by Ian Bullock, who expressed his great displeasure, and I'm quoting him now, with the tiresome Harbin family, particularly self-pitying Tracy and ghastly Chelsea. Some agreed with Ian, some thought he was being ironic, and some thought he was being harsh. Karen Cunningham pointed out that not everyone is born equal and do not have access to life's opportunities. Suzanne Steele added that Tracy is heroic, living in a society burdened with class prejudice. Tristan Alexander Watts said that he had more sympathy with the Harbins than with Brian and his self-inflicted woes. Sunday's inserted scene between Linda and Lillian moved many people. Susan de la Mer said simply that it was a lovely episode, and Claire Asbury added that she had something in her eye when Linda shared her tribute from the Book of Condolence. Upon learning that Chelsea had been staying with Blake, Kate Lyle posted that she hopes proper thought has gone into any decisions that have been made regarding the pregnancy. On Monday, we learned that Chelsea was profoundly ambivalent about what to do, and there was a wonderful scene between mother and daughter that William Nolan, Pat Hannibin, and Wendy Rowcroft, among others, gave kudos to. At least Chelsea clarified that Russ was not the father. Saul now seems to be the most likely suspect, as posted by Paul Newman and seconded by others, including myself. Still, Russ was quite self-pitying this week. Joe Edwards posted she was listening on her walk home from work and was muttering for him to shut the F up. Suzanne Steele wondered why we had to listen to both Russ and Lily whining this week. She advised both to put on their big boy and big girl pants and get a new life. And that seems to be exactly what happened. As I posted, adios, Russ, don't let the door hit you on the way out. On a lighter note, Sue Lee wondered if Jenny is suffering from kitchen envy. Is this another example of Ambridge sibling rivalry? Pam Dulay followed with a poll question. Which sister would you like to dine with? 37% of us wanted to dig into Lillian's cinnamon chicken sounds ghastly to me, while a clear majority of 54% voted for anything at Jenny Darling's. 9% still prefer to stay home with a pot noodle and a packet of Watsits. Regarding David and Josh's archaeologic find, Harry Clark wrote, Imagine your 50-year-old wank bank being discovered by your brother and nephew. I think I'd emigrate. For this week's snap, I asked Dumsy Dummers to share a passage from their teenage diary. Please check out the very funny responses, especially one from Sarah Evans. We're still not sure where the diary storyline is going. On Thursday, I suggested that it and Linda's conniving with Justin were just filler until Friday's big reveal. Well, Friday came, but the big reveal and the big decision did not come. As Pam DeLay posted, we'll sing the week out with Buck Fizz's 1981 Eurovision winning song, Making Your Mind Up. Please do so, Chelsea, and please tell us who the baby father is. Talk to you soon. Thank you, Mr. Spoon, and thank you to everyone who's posted their thoughts and feelings on our Dum Dum Facebook group. And now it's time for us to welcome new members of said Facebook group to Dum Dum. This week we've had another big pile of members uh, joining us. We have Cynthia Fleming, Christopher Gill, Lynn Collison, Kate Penfold, Dartford Kip McGrath Tuition, Wowza, 
and uh, Janice Malcolm. And Sally Abbott. But also, we're on Twitter under the name of at Dumpty Dum. Our team always includes the Archers hashtag using a capital T and A so the visually impaired can enjoy any Archers-based tweets. Also, that hashtag is your gateway to the hugely enjoyable tweet along both in the evenings and on the, and during the omnibus. Also, please try and include dum, at Dumpty Dum in your tweet so more people can get to see it, which helps us keep our community growing. As well as at Dumpty Dum on Twitter, where can you be found, Madame Berto? I can occasionally be found on there, and I'm at Jberto Sanguin. Talking about Twitter, it's time for Purple Pumpkin's Tweet of the Week. Hello, Royfield, Jacqueline and Dumpty Dummers everywhere. It's Purple Pumpkin here with a selection of Tweets of the Week. Well, what a week that was on the Twitters, with a good sprinkling of humour alongside all the speculation and questions about who is the daddy. For those who have yet to dive into the hashtag The Archers on Twitter, I have a few things to recommend this week. Chelsea's unborn child has two hashtags of its own, so you can find it under either hashtag horror bun or hashtag Chelsea bun. There's a lot of discussion of the price of Mars bars at various times over the past half century or so, as well as speculation on who from Ambridge would have gone to London to join that queue. My favourite thread, though, is a visual one started by Chris Worthing at Sieur de Pontieu. Deception Lily by Russ, available from Lower Loxley's Gallery, Borsetshire. The thread has a bunch of artistic suggestions and some that are a bit less artistic, but in the end I'm with Dawn Oliver, at Felix Keeps On, who suggests perhaps Russ's wife would like to exhibit a piece also called The Trail. So, on to the medals for this week. All of these achieved laugh-out-loud status for me when I first read them. In bronze position, it's Maggie Gordon Walker, at M. Gordon Walker. Gosh, this Dave and Kenton reminiscing is absolutely riveting, isn't it? I might have to do a bit of cue watch to calm down. In silver, it's Matt, at Matt underscore Mark II. Perhaps Lily will put the painting in the attic, then go on a decades-long bender getting no older, whilst Russ withers in a gutter. And in gold, it's Rachel Parkinson, at Rachel Parkinson 2. I'm not sure why I always link Shula of the Archers with Princess Anne, but I do. That's it for this week. See you all again at the next Tweet Along. Thank you for that, Purple Pumpkin. Thank you, everybody, for your wonderful tweets. Don't forget, we're also on Instagram. Fun enough, we're at Dumpty Dum. So also follow us there if that is your social media platform of choice. And we really want to thank, as always, all our lovely contributors and to our social media supremos who do a fantastic job. Shambrick for her voices and to our podcasting godmother, Lucy V. Freeman. And as always, we'll thank P&Q for their work in the last year. And guess who I saw this week? You saw Philippa. How did you guess? Because she's been a bit more active on Dumpty Dum, so I guess. Ah, yeah. It was really nice seeing her drive up to Telford. She drove down from Shrewsbury and uh, we had a nice afternoon together. We nattered away for about three hours. It was lovely. Lovely, lovely, lovely. Oh, how brilliant. I'd love to meet Philippa. You know, uh, at the beginning of the show, we put on the little uh, thing about her uh, book Mm. 
podcast. And I've always listened to that since almost since the beginning of it. And uh, I've learned so much and uh, approached new books with a different attitude because of that. So I really admire her for her podcasting skills and her professionalism. And, and thank goodness for the book recommendations. So we like the same books. So. Props. Actually, I have seen that you're on her Facebook group there, putting your messages, get, get, getting well yeah. stuck in. Yeah, I like to have a bit of a discussion about a book occasionally. That's my other side. You see, when you live a life in a foreign language, mm-hmm. Royfield Brown, you have to make the most of social media. It's the only way I can have contact with British people generally. I know for the last month I've been in England, but <laughs> apart from that, which is rare. <laughs> so, there you mm. go. Well, there you go, folks. That's been your dum dum Tarara a bit from me. Au revoir. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.